0: Live from New York, I'm Julia Chatterley. This is First Move, and here's your need to know. Thanksgiving to thanksgetting. Americans prepare to spend on Black Friday deals. Black Friday to Block Friday. Some French activists saying enough is enough. And Buffett rebuffed. Losing a bid for tech data. The Oracle didn't see that one coming. It's Friday. Let's make a move. Again, to first move, it's Friday. Yay. It also happens to be Black Friday here in the United States, a shopaholic's paradise. Plenty of extra time today to shop, too, because the stock and bond markets here close early at 1pm Eastern time. Right now, as you can see, futures are a little bit softer. Investors that weren't eating turkey yesterday spent the session waiting, of course, for a response from China after President Trump signed legislation expressing support for Hong Kong's protesters. Nothing, of course, was forthcoming. And so we wait on and ask what this means as well for the trade negotiations. That wait, I think, not helping sentiment here in Asia. Markets there a sea of red, as you can see. Healthcare stocks, in fact, in Hong Kong tumbled when a document circulated on social media suggesting Beijing could add dozens of new drugs to another round of procurement. That would, of course, force drug prices lower. So that having an impact there. But there's other news as well. A wall of worry to climb in South Korea. Let's start there. The central bank kept rates unchanged, but they did cut their growth forecast for 2019 and 2020. A similar story in India. We saw growth there for the third quarter. Falling to some 4.5%. That's down, just to give you a comparison, from 7% for the same quarter of last year. What about jumping to Japan now? The Bank of Japan governor promising to continue with powerful stimulus while also paying close attention to economic risks, especially those stemming from overseas. Read Yes, the US-China trade war. More evidence of strife if we look at Germany as well and the German auto sector in particular. Daimler announcing thousands of job cuts this morning. More on that shortly now amid all the warnings, the tantrums and the tariffs, of course, too. Perhaps it's time to bring it back here to the United States and hope for some retail therapy this Friday. At least that's what I call it. Let's get to the drivers. Alison Cossack is at a Best Buy in northern New Jersey. Best Buy, of course, raising their forecast going into this season. So confidence there. But Allison, tell us what we can expect and what you're seeing already this morning.
1: The doors here, Julia, have been opened about an hour and a healthy stream of customers has been coming in. Uh, TV seemed to be a, a go-to for many of the shoppers. And, you know, the stream of customers really proves that Black Friday is still alive and well, but it's also become one of the five days of a sort of a shopping event because all the shopping began late yesterday, yes, Thanksgiving Day here in the United States all the way through Monday, that's uh, Cyber Monday. So uh, during this long weekend here in the United States, 165 million people are expected to go out there and spend their money. And you know what? They've been spending their money even since October. More than half of consumers actually started buying holiday gifts that early because as unemployment is low and people are feeling more confident and, and kind of safe in their jobs and happy about their paychecks. So the National Retail Federation is expecting that this holiday season will be a strong one, one that could bring in as much as $730 billion. Now, the National Retail Federation also says it does not expect tariffs to impact the way that shoppers get out there and spend their money. Those 79%, Julia, 79% of those surveyed uh, shoppers I'm talking about, they are concerned that the tariffs could mean higher prices when they get out here and shop for those holiday gifts. Julia? Yeah, you make such a good point. And we've talked about on the
0: show before this idea that actually retailers bought their inventory ahead ahead of the prospective tariff increases. So for this season, we're fine. The question comes, of course, is if we see those tariffs rise in, in December, December 15th to be specific, what that means for next year. But of course, for now it seems consumer confidence is all and, and consumers continue to be pretty confident, quite frankly.
1: Yeah, and you make a good point. Best Buy is a, the perfect example. This is an electronic store here in the United States. It took actual steps to mitigate the impacts of those tariffs. It uh, talked with its vendors trying to negotiate cheaper costs. It's diversifying its supply chain. That's helping as well. And then, as you said, you know, Companies like Best Buy went ahead and pre-ordered their inventory, you know, to get those products in, into customs before those tariffs hit. The thing is, not every retailer is going to be planning ahead like that. Small retailers, for instance, they're not able to really absorb the higher costs of tariffs, so you're seeing smaller businesses get hit a lot harder than the bigger retailers like Best Buy.
0: Julia? That is such a great point, and we will discuss that later on in the show, the difference between the ability of the big retailers here to mitigate this and... Particularly relative to some of the smaller. Now, Alison, I happen to know you're a very tiny person, but those TVs next to you are
1: enormous. Let's take a wide shot. They they are, <laughs> and these are actually really, really cheap. I'm surprised they're not flying out of here just yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're too heavy to carry. They're too heavy. That's a, that's an
1: argument for online purchases. Alison Kosick great they job. That's why we wheel them. We'll wheel them out. <laughs>
0: Get some help on that. Alison Cossack in New Jersey for us there at Best Buy. Thank you very much for that. All right, let's move on to our next driver. Shares in tech data are up some 11% pre-market after private equity firm Apollo sweetened their offer for the IT firm after a second suitor stepped in. Now there's a report that the mystery bidder was none other than Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway. Paula Monica joins us on this story. Fascinating if... uh, Berkshire was buffeted here and uh, prevented from uh, buying it. But, you know, actually, Warren Buffett's made no secret of the fact that he thinks private equity of bid up prices here and the premiums are too high. And quite frankly, he's not paying for it, even if he's got a massive cash pile and can afford it.
2: Yeah, Buffett can clearly afford it, Julia, because Berkshire Hathaway has $128 billion in cash. He has repeatedly, Buffett, that is, said that he's itching to use some of it for a quote unquote elephant-sized acquisition. But we know that Buffett tends to be frugal. He does not want to overpay. And he has bemoaned the fact that you've had valuations go up so dramatically. We have the market at all-time highs. And as you point out, private equity firms are more than willing to pay higher premiums for companies. And Buffett's not going to play that game.
0: What actually is this company? Because if we look at this space in particular, private equity have been pretty interested and we've seen some MA activity in this space. What does the company actually do and, and why the excitement here?
2: Yeah, it's a, distrib- a distribution company, a provider of software and other tech services to larger companies. It's kind of boring to be brutally honest, Julia, but that is what Warren Buffett loves. I mean, when he bought big tech companies in the past for his portfolio, IBM used to be the main stalwart, big blue. You can't really get much more boring than that. Now his top holding is Apple. And critics would say that Apple isn't really an exciting company anymore because they're just churning out one new iPhone after another and really relying on services for much of their revenue. So this seems like it could fit the classic Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett mold for an acquisition, now he's got to look elsewhere. And, you know, there's been talk Rumors that he was interested in PG&E, the utility in California, a couple of months ago, but that talk died down. There's been chatter because he owns big stakes in several airlines that he could make Mm. a run for Southwest or another airline that Berkshire Hathaway has stock in because that could be a good fit with its Burlington Northern Railroad business. He loves transportation, but I think he wants to do a big deal, but he's not going to rush into one if the price isn't right. He didn't become this rich by overpaying, Julia.
0: And I was about to say, kind of boring and kind of beaten up as well, which works in the case of PG&E. I mean, this stock, Tech Data, trading at record high. So, um, yeah, I think we can probably rule out a sneaky return bid here to uh, to try and get it in the end. Mm-mm, not paying. Paul Monica, Don't think thank so. you so much. <laughs> Paula Monica, thank you so much for that. All right, next driver. The car maker Daimler announcing at least ten thousand job cuts by the end of 2022. It's the third German auto giant this week to announce significant cost cuts. Anna Stewart joins us with the details. Anna, let's focus on Daimler first. We know investing in technologies, cars of the future, costs money. You have to strip back those costs somewhere, and these look pretty steep. This is the biggest announcement we've had, certainly of
3: late, from these big German car makers. They said a figure in the low uh, five figures, so we're looking at at least 10,000 jobs being cut. And this is part of a broader restructuring programme that Daimler indicated they would do earlier this month. They're planning to reduce staff costs by around $1.5 billion. They're planning to reduce management positions by 10%. And as you said, this is all to do with... Meeting ever stricter emissions regulations, and that involves not just investing more in electric technology, but also really increasing those car sales numbers. Electric car sales are abysmal, really, in Europe. Add to that all those big, big headwinds that we talk about all the time, trade wars, uh, softening demand in key markets like China. And Julia, listen to this. On Monday, Fitch Ratings says it expects global car sales to drop this year by 3.1 million. That is a sharper fall than 2008.
0: Yeah, I mean, they really have to do some retrenchment here, and we're starting to really see it. Not just Daimler, though. We kind of hinted at it already. The likes of BMW, mm. Audi this week also announcing significant adjustments and, and cuts here. Just give us a sense of those two, and then you can really understand what we're seeing for these German automakers. Huge Because it's very easy to
3: see all these figures and just not really absorb them all. They're coming thick and fast. Yeah, we had Volkswagen's luxury brand Audi earlier this week. They're reducing their workforce by 7,500 or Rente. of the overall business by 2025. They plan to free up, in this sense, $6.6 billion over 10 years for future investment. BMW mentioned them. They also made an announcement, not quite as severe in terms of job cuts as such, They are reducing bonus payments for their employees. It was interesting, actually, because the new CEO said this allows us to avoid drastic measures that others are taking to reduce their costs. And that is actually part of a broader plan to save more than $13 billion. Plenty of these have also already announced many job cuts in recent years. So this is just the very last few days. So you can see there's a sense of urgency here to do more, to really try and get more money available for that investment and restructure quickly.
0: Yeah, makes sense. Anna Stewart, thank you so much for joining us on that story. All right, let me bring you up to speed now with uh, some of the other stories making headlines around the world. Iraq's Prime Minister Adil Abdul Mahi says he will submit his resignation to Parliament. Deadly protests have flared up repeatedly across Iraq for many months. A surge of violence on Thursday this week left at least 41 people dead. Let's get straight to Baghdad now, where our our Damon joins us on this story. Perhaps no surprise are in light of recent protests and the protesters cheering when this news broke. Talk us through what this means now for the country and what leadership change will represent.
4: surprise, at least in terms of the protesters here, in terms of the exact timing of it, but not something that was entirely unexpected, given the fact that we did hear this intention announced by the president a while ago, but then nothing from the government, which really frustrated those who have been taking to the streets. But the minute that announcement actually trickled down to those who are here, and we're in Tahrir Square in the capital, of Baghdad, which has become something of the epicenter of these ongoing demonstrations people started coming out on mass people were dancing there's music blaring over loudspeakers they were shooting small fireworks out into the air there is an air of jubilation yes but at the same time it's worth noting that people are still quite somber when it comes to all of this because they paid such a heavy price just to get to this moment since October Over more than three hundred and eighty people have been killed and you do and see uh, many of the faces of those who perished throughout the course uh, of these demonstrations, placards with their uh, photographs on them being carried through and 17,700 at least people injured across the entire country. Yesterday was an especially deadly day in the southern part of the country in Iraq's Shia heartland. The minute that announcement did come out though, people were yes celebrating, but they were also saying look, this is just the beginning. We want an entire overhaul of our system of governments. We want changes to the Constitution. We want an end to this rampant corruption, these sectarian politics. And people are also saying something that is uh, frankly not necessarily something that everyone would have expected to hear in Iraq. But that is that they want an end to Iranian influence. And this is something that we really only heard being publicly said during these demonstrations and it's really an indication of how fed up the population is with this status quo most of these demonstrators are the country's youth they are unemployed but they want to see a better Iraq they tell us over and over again that the Iraq that their parents grew under Saddam Hussein's Iraq an Iraq of oppression that is not one that they will accept and they're determined to do everything that they can to change it so yes Right now, we do have celebrations to a certain degree uh, at this development, but people are very cautious. And this does not mean the end, they said, to their demonstrations. In fact, they say it's only the beginning of their demands.
0: Yeah, and the question is, does it change things, to your point, whether it's corruption or mass unemployment or the failure of public services? Does anything really change? Awa, thank you so much for bringing that story to us there. Awa Damon, joining us from baghdad u.s president donald trump is back in the united states after a surprise visit to afghanistan in his first trip there since taking office he told u.s troops the taliban wants to make a peace deal the taliban has responded agreeing to resume talks if that's what america wants that according to a statement from the militant group's spokesman Hong Kong's Polytechnic University says it hopes teaching can restart as early as next semester. After police searched the campus, which had been used as a stronghold by protesters, officers say they found nearly 4,000 Molotov cocktails on the site, along with other weapons. Police say they've arrested almost 5,900 people this year in relation to those pro-democracy protests. All right, we're going to take a break here on First Move. But coming up, Thailand taking digital payments seriously. We'll hear how traditional banks are changing and lining up for a Black Friday bargain. The shoppers who sacrifice Thanksgiving to wait out in the cold. It's the retailers who'll be rubbing their hands with glee. Stay with us. We're back after this. First move, a quick look at the markets right now. U.S. futures are a touch lower heading into the final session of this week. The Nasdaq, as you can see, underperforming there. But I should point out liquidity amid trading conditions and volumes are going to be light today with the Thanksgiving weekend holiday. Just one thing to watch, though, cast your eyes over Latin America and specifically what we're seeing in some of these cross rates. The Chilean peso versus the dollar under pressure continuing yesterday And the Colombian peso hitting an all-time low too. The Brazilian real managing to eke out gains but only remaining a shade above its own record low. Political turmoil in the region continues following ongoing anti-government demonstrations. So record lows for a number of those currencies there. All right, let's head out to Asia now. And it may be the largest commercial bank in Thailand, but CM Commercial has long recognized the disruptive threat from digital competitors, but also the opportunity that digitization represents. So over the past three years, SCB has spent a billion dollars on modernization. Now, I caught up with their president during a fintech festival in Singapore, and I asked him about the banking environment today.
5: If you look at banking industry today, we are in a challenging cycle. You look at return on equity of all the banks in the world going down. In Thailand, our bank five years ago used to have the ROE, return on equity of 22%. Now we're at 10.2% in five years you're projecting this five more years if the trend is still like this we, you can see the future of the banks uh, in jeopardy and a lot of people believe that banks will still be around but the banks will be around because we are being protected by regulators and if i say that my future exists because i'm being protected it's not so much of a future That's the starting point. We're seeing that clearly, that this last five years, we are entering the challenging time. I say entering because I think it just started. And it's not just Thailand, it's the whole banking industry. So with that, our initial thought was in order to be competitive, we need to be innovative. Because the competitors are not just banks. The newcomers, they want digital don't have foundation, uh, physical foundation, so their cost is very low. So we look at that and said, projecting this five more years, how are we going to compete with the newcomers?
0: And you cut, you close branches.
5: Yes, right now we have about 900 branches. Wow. But if you look at the kind of changes that is happening in the market, we compare three years ago, we had our own bank had about 2.5 million digital users. Now we have 10 million in three years. What
0: percentage of your transactions now are digitised? This
5: interesting question is 96%
0: digitised.
5: 96%? 4% is two branches. To happening. close more branches. Yep, close more branches or transform the branches to serve other purposes.
0: Such as uh,
5: we, everyone who has money need to manage their wealth. Uh, wealth insurance those still high touch business, for now, right until innovation come, that will change again.
0: It's quite stark. Traditional banks like SEB are not only facing disruption because of digital competitors, as we were discussing there, they also need to figure out how to respond to the rise of digital currencies and coins and the impact of blockchain technology, for example. SEB's president says Facebook's future digital plans have the potential to change everything.
5: For us, it's a good wake up call. Because subject of digital currency has been in the media for the longest time, but it was done by like startups, small group of people. Even though it got uh, over speculated, but once Facebook and the the group of companies that are well known got together and said we're gonna do this, it woke everyone up. Personally, I don't think it will happen, but cool. at all, not in this current form because you look at the, all of the um, people who cut up and, and the yeah, start to go against it. But it helped in the sense that now it's surfacing all of the issues that need to be addressed. And that will open the, the room up for the next generation of digital currency.
0: But what about the electronic payment system? Is all the power concentrated here in the wallet in whatever it is that's facilitating the transfer of value or wealth, is the power in whoever owns the wallet?
5: This is highly debatable. If you look in the low uh, bankable population, uh, unbanked. the unbanked, right? Wallets are stronger than banks. But in our country, we, I look at data of 2016, 97.5% of bankable people already have banking services. Right. And telcos in our country have been trying to promote wallets for the longest time. And luckily so far, they have not been successful because wallet is no different than accounts. If you can make payment, you can make money transfer in three clicks. From a consumer point of view, I don't care. Is it a wallet or is it an account?
0: Now, despite the uncertainty and the many challenges traditional banks are facing, the SEB president said he's optimistic about the future. Listen in. Let's end on a positive note. It's challenging. It's an exciting time for technology and for an advancement. Are you going to be around in another 100 years?
5: That's the intent. <laughs> That's we the plan. We around for 114 years, yes. and we are very alert. Even though right now we are the largest man in Thailand, there was not a single day that we enjoyed this success. We see the trend, we see the trend, we see how fast new technologies have been adopted. We feel very uncomfortable, right? But that's also positive side, yes. right? It, it gives us energy. Right? I wake up every day and think about this, try to experiment something about this, trying to find solutions. And that's what makes job fun.
0: My first boss at Morgan Stanley said to me, the moment you feel comfortable, panic. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's
5: going to That's very
0: good advice. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Some breaking news now coming into us at CNN. Metropolitan Police say they're dealing with an incident at London Bridge. Details are pretty unclear at the moment. Anna Stewart is in London for us on this story. Anna, what can you tell us? What more do we know? Well, we've had
3: a flurry of tweets regarding the situation. As you said, we just had a tweet from the London Met Police just saying that they're in the early stages of dealing with an incident. Um, Of course, there have been plenty of reports on Twitter. The City of London Police have just told us that it's a very dynamic situation. And I think, Julia, you have to remember with a situation like this that there is so much interest and alarm simply because in 2017 there was, of course, the terrorist vehicle ramming and stabbing incidents that really shocked the whole capital the nation, in fact, the whole world. So we'll be bringing you more details as we get them very thin on the ground right now absolutely yeah
0: anna stewart thank you so much for uh, that update there and as anna said we will keep you posted as more information comes through we're back after this Welcome back to the show. Let me just bring you up to speed with the uh, breaking news just in the last few moments. The UK Metropolitan Police say they're dealing with an incident at London Bridge. Details remain unclear at this moment. The police are advising people nearby to follow police directions. We'll bring you more when you get it, but right now I'm just showing you some uh, images that we're taking from Twitter, from uh, social media, just to give you a sense of what we're seeing there. That's just the corner of uh, London Bridge going from north to south that you can see there is that the camera pans across we can clearly hear uh, sirens of the emergency services there it does look like traffic seems to be still flowing at least on one side going across the bridge that you can see there and of course uh, a number of buses seem to be at a standstill as well Um, Just to reiterate, that's uh, of course the Met Police tweet there as well. The early stages of dealing with an incident at London Bridge. We will bring you any further information there as we get it. All right, let me give you a look at what we're seeing right now for U.S. markets. We have opened lower as anticipated, easing back from those record highs, of course, hit when the markets were last open on Wednesday. All majors, though, in the red. The trading day today will uh, be shortened, to for the Thanksgiving holiday, 1 p.m. Eastern time both the bond markets and the equity markets closing today. Let me give you a look for now at some of our global movers, the stocks that are moving most in the session. We've talked about them already. Tech data stock climbing after the private equity firm Apollo improved its offer. It was reported that a second suitor stepped in and that was apparently Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway. Right now uh, the stock is higher by just shy of 12%. Apollo paying more perhaps than they might have done in light of that entry from alleged Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway there. What about uh, Wynn Resorts? We are seeing that down some 1%. The story there, just to bring you up to speed on that, is that Wynn Resorts uh, has reached a settlement with Steve Wynn. He stepped down after uh, sexual assault allegations, which he denied, of course. All right, as the holiday shopping season ramps up here in the United States, it's highlighting a Black Friday divide between retailers who see in the light and reinvented themselves and those left perhaps fumbling around in the dark. On the one hand, you've got the likes of Target, Costco and Best Buy who've ramped up their online offerings, offering deliveries and in-store pickups. Then at the other end of the scale, you've got names like Gap, L Brands, which owns Victoria's Secret, of course, and Macy's lagging behind in moving with the times. To explain the divide, Charlie O'Shea is a vice president at Moody's and a senior credit officer. Charlie, fantastic to have you with us. And I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving yesterday. Let's start with Again. Best Buy, because we were actually in store earlier on in the show. I feel like these are a this is a company that's gone in to uh, the Thanksgiving and this holiday shopping weekend with high confidence. They even raised their Ahead of time. These guys feel like one of the winners.
6: Absolutely. And Best Buy has been winning holiday for a long time now. But I think this year the company's better position. Some of the things that Best Buy is doing now are resonating more heavily with the cons- consumers than they have in the past. I was in a store last night. A lot of the tech features, not TVs. I mean, TVs are always going to sell. But a lot of the things that the company is selling now are more solutions-focused, which brings into play the consultative sales force that Best Buy has and the ability to come to your home with Geek Squad and actually install things, which creates a deeper relationship with the customer.
0: Yeah, that's such a great point, actually, the targeting of customers with specific products. And actually, that touchiness is one of the benefits of having bricks and mortar stores to, to that point. Do we see the likes of of Walmart, of Best Buy, of Amazon, some of the strongest players, competing against each other for market share? Or particularly given the broader backdrop here, the the impact of tariffs, do we see them stealing market share from some of the more restricted and smaller players here?
6: I think what we've been seeing is the latter rather than the former. Mm. Certainly there are some head-to-head battles going on, but it's much easier to pick off a weaker competitor than it is to go head-to-head. Say you're Walmart. Going head-to-head with Amazon is tough, and, and the reverse is also true, but Amazon has an advantage with those shareholders that really don't seem to mind lack of profitability as long as sales grow. So if you're a Walmart... You can go after some of the smaller guys pretty easily, and they don't really have a lot of defenses. They've been struggling over the last several years without the financial flexibility to be able to invest in the stores, invest online, invest in employees, and then, more, most importantly this time of year, invest in price, which is promotion. And a lot of them just don't have the ability to do it. You know, They've got to keep the lights on. They've got to meet their debt maturities. And there's something that has to give. Walmart, Amazon, Costco, Best Buy, Target – They don't have to worry about that because they've got loads of money, they've been able to invest, and they have a distinct competitive advantage this holiday and beyond.
0: What about the delivery options that are available here? I mean, even I go back to Best Buy offering next day delivery. You can also pick up in store. And they're saying that actually you don't even have to be the equivalent of a prime member and pay some monthly premium in order to have that option. That's really taking the fight to Amazon despite their investment in, in all these fleet vans.
6: That's true. Best Buy has been offering and I've, I've been trying to remember, and I was talking to my family about it yesterday. When we actually picked up our first online order in a store, and we were 15 years ago, and we were struggling whether it was really that long ago, and maybe it was, but it's been a while. And that's one of the advantages brick-and-mortar has always had, and now they've really unlocked it, which is using those stores. My estimate is for the big companies that I cover, between 40 and 50% of the online orders are going to be picked up in a store, which gives you another opportunity to make an attachment sale, which is important. Delivery is easy. Free delivery is easy to do. All you have to do is be willing, if you're a retailer, to bear the cost. And your shareholders, again, have to be patient. But the other things come into play. Amazon is doing everything it possibly can to speed up delivery. We think it's in reaction to buy online, pick up in store. So Amazon is is almost being forced to accelerate its two-day to one day and then in some cases same day. It's going to cost the company about $4 billion plus this year. It'll cost more money next year. And the the whole key to this is to keep those prime members happy because they spend a lot more money. But delivery for us has been, we consider it to be an arms race, and we really don't know yet if and when it becomes, you know, the, the retailers have to charge for it, how much the consumer is willing to pay for fast delivery. Do I need it today? Do I need it tomorrow? Do I need it the next day? Do I need it the next day? And the pricing will likely be tiered at that point, and then the the consumer really has a decision to make, and maybe the retailers are overestimating the demand, in, in which case they will overspend.
0: Yeah, it's such an interesting point, and I guess it's something that the proof will be in the pudding. We just have to wait and see right. how this plays out. Talk to me about the, the shopping season specifically, because we're already starting to get numbers for what happened either in store or online for the Thanksgiving spend, and it looks pretty strong here. But I guess the comparisons to last year was a December where we had a government shutdown, we had a right. uh, market pressure, all sorts of things going on. What are we expecting this this uh, this weekend?
6: For the whole holiday, the weekend's tough. We look at the holiday as lasting the entire quarter, which runs from November to late January. The season gets elongated every year. The promotions start earlier. This year they started in October before. I was seeing Christmas before Halloween, which is kind of an interesting phenomenon. But I I think it gets longer. I think we have to kind of pull back from the traditional gauges that we're using to evaluate the holiday you know, the Thanksgiving weekend is now the Thanksgiving weekend. It used to be Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Now it's Thanksgiving weekend. And it's going to be a long it's going to be a long battle. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And I think that the early data is encouraging from a sales perspective. We forecasted four to four and a half percent top line growth this holiday. But we're operating income focused, so we want to see how much money you actually make on those sales. If you're selling a dollar for 99 cents, that's not necessarily a good thing. So it'll, we're always late to make a call because we have to wait for the income data. But some of the data points I've seen so far, again, have been encouraging. 20% online sales growth. Anything less than 15 for online sales has to be disappointing. You start getting around 20 that means it's a, it's a very positive push. I saw another data point this morning that, that store visits are down a little bit. I don't know that that's unexpected. I think the retailers have finally gotten the religion that we don't care where we make the sale, be it online or in the store. We just want to make the sale. And if you want to buy stuff from us sitting on your couch or even taking a break from dinner on Thanksgiving, that's just fine with us. We just want to make the sale. So I think we just have to, you know the paradigm has shifted and I think our analyses have to have to kind of move along with that.
0: Yeah, our metrics have to move. Charlie Ashi, Vice President at Moody's, uh, thank you so much and have a great Thanks, weekend. Thanks,
6: Julia. Thanks, you All right. You too.
0: I want to bring you back now to uh, the breaking news that we've been talking to you about just in the last few minutes. Uh, the UK Metropolitan Police say they're dealing with an incident at London Bridge. As we've been discussing with you, details remain pretty unclear at this moment. But we do have uh, some further information. Anna Stewart is in London. Anna, what more are we hearing now?
3: Well, an eyewitness has told CNN that they heard five gunshots in the area. That's all we know from them. The City of London police have told CNN that it is a very dynamic situation. And then, of course, we had that response from the London Met Police. They tweeted short while ago saying, we are in the early stages of dealing with an incident at London Bridge. Please follow Met Police UK on Twitter for updates. If you are near the scene, please follow the directions of any officers on the ground. We can bring you some videos of the scene from social media. You can see a a heavy police presence there. Frankly, the bridge looks to be on lockdown. So much interest and so much concern here. Although we know nothing about this incident, of course, this was the scene of a dreadful terror attack in June 2017 when a vehicle rammed into pedestrians on London Bridge before attackers left the vehicle and went on a stabbing spree. That terror attack uh, ended with eight people being killed and 48 injured. So huge concern here. We don't have any further uh, details. It is a very dynamic situation. So I expect we will get lots more information
0: in the next few minutes, within the next hour, and we will bring that to you as we get it. Julia? Yeah, thanks very much, and I just want to say to, uh, to let our viewers know exactly what they're looking at here. You're looking at London Bridge on the left of your screen. That's North London. And then, of course, across the bridge, to towards south London. It's an incredibly busy time of day. It's a Friday, so ordinarily you would be seeing traffic, cars, buses, as you can see there, that seem to be at a standstill passing uh, across this bridge at at this time of day. And actually, you can see the bridge behind where the traffic actually was flowing. But to Anna's point there, right now, whatever is going on, it has brought traffic to an absolute standstill uh, at, at this stage. And Anna, you were just saying to us, an eyewitness suggesting that they'd heard noise that sounds like gunfire. And uh, obviously that's now, given the sensitivity of the situation, uh, the police are clearly investigating and have uh, have got the thing on lockdown, it seems, as far as traffic is concerned, uh, until we know more.
3: That is certainly the situation at the moment. We expect to hear more from eyewitnesses. There's plenty on social media. Of course, we're waiting for more official statements from the police as to what happens next, how long uh, the police presence will be there and and what's happened and whether we see any arrests uh, coming up. But we should be getting more details shortly. Julia?
0: And Anna, to your point, there's a real sensitivity in London, just given what we've seen in in recent events. The, The initial response, I think, for everybody is to... When you hear a noise like this is to flee to try and get out of the area and instantly we start looking to uh, to social media here. As you were saying earlier on the show, in London, as in other places around the world, um, there's a real sensitivity right now when you hear noises like this. There really, there really is, and we take every incident
3: like this incredibly seriously just in case it turns out to be one of these dreadful attacks we have seen in the past. And it's it's too easy, of course, to jump to conclusions. You do have to wait for the information to come in. But as a, as a Londoner myself, you do worry about situations like this. If you hear a bang, you know, of course, you are going to be extra nervous and you are going to go seek safety, which you should follow the police's advice. And it's often very useful to go onto social media and see what people are saying, but at the same time, making sure that we wait for official statements before jumping to
0: any conclusions. Absolutely. And I'm just, again, going to reiterate what we're we're looking at here. Again, London Bridge brought to a standstill. On the left of your screen is North London, across then to the south of London. One has to presume as well, if we've not seen as yet passengers getting off these buses, it is a busy time of year. You have to assume that there are passengers remaining on some of these buses as the the traffic's come to a halt. Um, and i just waiting to see what happens. So just a developing story in the last few minutes, the shopping area and uh, the railway stations apparently as well, as you can see on your screen there, um, have been brought to a halt too. So taking all precautions it seems and we've heard from the metropolitan police as they deal with this situation thank you very much anna stewart there we will continue to bring you further details on this story and keep you abreast as on the information as we get it for now you're watching first move we'll be right back Welcome back to the show. Again, an update on the breaking news this morning. The UK Metropolitan Police say they're dealing with an incident at London Bridge. Anna Stewart is on the story for us in London. Anna, and I think a a further piece of information now from the Metropolitan Police. What do we know?
3: We've just had an update from the Met Police who've tweeted to say police were called at 1.58pm to a stabbing at premises near to London Bridge. Emergency services attended, including officers from the Met Police. Uh, A man has been detained by police. We believe a number of people have been injured and further info will follow. Uh, We know that London ambulances have responded. We also have an eyewitness report telling CNN that they heard five gunshots. Of course, we don't know whether that's true. We don't know whether that was in response to this attack, but we are getting more information. It appears to be a stabbing incident, according to the police. And of course, this will worry people, particularly given that this was the scene of the most dreadful terror attack in 2017, a vehicle ramming into pedestrians and a stabbing spree. So people will be questioning, of course, whether there's any terrorist uh, incident related here. Uh, We'll be waiting to hear a lot more information about that. That normally takes a lot longer, of course, to decide, to determine. Um, But we'll also be looking out to see how many people have been injured. Ambulances are on standby. And you're looking at pictures there, live pictures or uh, pictures from earlier of London Bridge at a standstill. You can see those buses are kind of parked there. No idea whether people are stuck on those buses. But the police have got that area on lockdown. We're also seeing plenty of videos coming through to social media uh, showing a very heavy police presence. But there's been a lot of confusion, a lot of people taking to social media saying what they think they heard. But of course, no one really knowing. We're waiting for more official response. But the latest from the Met Police is that there
0: was a stabbing incident and one man has been detained. Julia? Anna, stay right where you are. Uh, Thank you for that update, because I do want to bring in Noah Bodner, uh, an eyewitness. Noah, fantastic to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining us. What can you tell us? What did you see and and hear?
7: Um, I I have to say, I I saw very little. Um, There was a rush of people running into the cafe. We're at the cafe at the base of the bridge. Um, People rushed in. um, Immediately, um, the manager ran and shut the door and locked it. Um, everybody um, basically dove under the tables, um, and we were told that shots were heard. Um, and then, at some point, where we saw police um, coming to the bridge and closing it off, um, we were asked to move to the back of the restaurant, um, obviously away from the windows. And everybody's been here ever since, trying to piece together all the information that um, that we're getting from what we're seeing, which is not a lot um, just basically nobody's allowed to come through on the on all the main roads and the station here um, we've heard that there's been a stabbing, we've heard that it's possibly that it was police that um, that shot and um, and now everybody's here just waiting to hear it's okay to come out again which we've not heard yet but um, hopefully that will happen soon people are quite calm and just trying to um, support each other I think
0: so but right now you are you're locked in. The owner of the cafe yes, locked you are, in and yeah, you just remain there. Out. Yeah. Do you think people are yes, more frightened? Awesome. Do you think people are Thank more you. frightened just when we see these kind of events now in light of what we've seen in London over the over the past several months? Or so to your point, actually, do people just act quite calmly in this situation and just get back to the, you know, the, the back to the cafe and um, and just wait it out?
7: Well, you know, the, uh, the main motor here is keep calm and carry on. And I think, um, that's, that's at least what I'm seeing. Um, people don't seem to be panicky. Um, I think everybody knows that because this is a, a sort of gun-free country, that, um, that the level of danger is, is, is always a bit lower. Um, and, um, and police are very good at dealing with these sorts of situations as we sadly have seen, um, in the past couple of years. Um, so we, we all believe they've got this under control and we're just waiting for the OK. Um, yeah, nobody's being very brave and trying to step outside. Everybody's just compliant with um, with what we've been told to do and uh, and carrying on.
0: We're showing uh, images now just to uh, make our viewer aware of um, fire engines moving onto the site of police cordon as well and a number 17 double-decker bus, as you can see. Can you... Can you hear? Um, actually, Noah, I'm going to uh, leave where we are. Noah Bodner, there. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to hand over to my colleagues in the United States for more
8: on this. About a quarter of a mile down the road, alongside the River Thames, and many of them totally unaware of what is happening at nearby London Bridge. Anna. And Nina, I know you are still working your way there, but it sounds like you're fairly close. You say
3: you're still seeing ambulances heading to the scene.
8: Well, I've seen one ambulance and a motorcade of about three or four uh, police uh, outriders as well uh, heading towards the scene. And obviously traffic was stopped for them to pass. But otherwise, apart from the sort of back and forth of some of the emergency vehicles, uh, it, it, it is a calm scene just about a quarter of a mile away uh, but obviously as i was pointing out before the fact that the busy subway station london bridge is a really busy subway station it's also a busy train station as well for the overland train network as well and it's a big tourist hotspot as max was just telling you there's a big market there uh, it often is busy at a festive time like this with the cre- christmas season getting underway uh, and so for all of those reasons this is a busy part of London, and it's the part of London that is a thoroughfare as well. So the fact that the train station, the subway station is shut off at the moment as we head into a Friday and a weekend, obviously that is significant in itself. So as I get closer to the scene, of course, I'll uh, try to keep you updated with what I'm seeing over there. But uh, as I was saying before, as Max also said, we're starting to see already on social media a lot of the kind of patterns that you do see when in the past you have seen some of these things become eventually bigger the metropolitan police putting out a statement about 45 minutes or so ago saying that they were in the early stages of dealing with an incident but we just don't know at this point what the motivation of that type of incident right. is and as max is also saying uh, there are many videos that appear to have been taken by some of these commuters uh, going back and forth on buses on London Bridge, having right. witnessed what actually happened firsthand. Okay, Nina Dos
3: Santos, we'll let you get back to gathering more information. Thank you for that update. I have another update for our viewers. London Ambulance Service now tweeting out some more information, saying they are responding to a major incident over London Bridge and have a number of crews at the scene there. And also, we know there was a stabbing, according to the Met Police, and multiple people injured. Still unclear exactly how many people were involved. At least one person, were told, has been detained we're going to stay on top of this breaking news a quick break we'll be back with the very
6: latest you're watching cnn stay right there